2: Let's talk about Romans. Last week we left off in uh, chapter 3, the end of chapter 3. And this week we're going to start at the beginning of chapter 4. And the one thing I want you to remember is that the Word of God, that is, the Word, is inspired of God. But chapter separations are not, not necessarily. So what we're about to read is actually a continuation. Now, there's a separation there, and it helps you guys keep up with it, and so you can find verses and so forth. But it is a continuation of what Paul is saying in chapter 3. Let's read Romans chapter 4, verse 1. It says, but, but, the continuation, if so, what shall we say about Abraham, our forefather, humanly speaking? What did he find out? How does this affect his position and what was gained by him? You remember that in chapter 3, Paul is making the argument that justification, that righteousness comes by faith, not by works. And he's speaking primarily to a Jewish audience. And this Jewish audience had presumed that their righteousness, their right standing with God, their justification was in their lineage with Abraham. They believed it was by birth. And to some degree, they controlled those who could appropriate that and who those who couldn't. And that righteousness was maintained by works as well. Now, Paul is explaining to them the truth of righteousness, that it is not attained by works, but that it is appropriated by faith. And the thing that we have to remember that we've gone over over and over again through the first chapter on is that righteousness is not what we do. In fact, righteousness cannot be separated from God Himself. Righteousness is literally the demonstration of the character of God Himself. It can't be separated from God. It cannot really even be appropriated by others in the context of you taking from God something that was His. So how is it that we're made righteous? Well, remember Romans chapter 3 verse 28. He says, For we hold that a man is justified and made upright. Now remember I had you underline made. And made upright by faith. Independent of and distinctly apart from good deeds, works of the law, the observance of the law has nothing, nothing to do with justification. And remember that made is a word that I want you to look at as creation. You are literally born again, recreated into, in Christ Jesus, into righteousness. So this is the truth of it, that God literally put His Spirit in you. He who is in the Lord is one Spirit with Him. So what does that mean? The two have become one. Marriage is an illustration of that union. That union has literally been mixed in such a way that nothing can separate it. Does that sound familiar? Nothing can separate it. You're in this union with Him because you have been made a righteous being. That righteousness is God's righteousness, but it's yours. It's in you. You've been made righteous. So it's not what you do. It's not even something you put on.
1: It's who you are.
2: You have been made righteous righteous. You have been justified, made upright. Now, by faith, you entered into this. It was done distinctly apart from the good deeds, the works of the law. Now, Paul is making the case that the Scriptures declare that we are justified by faith through Jesus Christ apart from the law. And he will show that the law prepares us for receiving grace, and in doing so, it is in harmony with justification by faith. Now, I just spent some time sharing with you what I believe the Christian Father's greatest responsibility is. And if you receive that as law, it'll be a condemnation to you in your failure to meet the standard because at the beginning of it, who did I say the standard was? Jesus. So if you take what I just said and you try to appropriate it for yourself as something that you should do, that it is a law unto you as a father, then it will bring just condemnation upon you because you are trying to do the one thing that only Jesus can do. So, what does the law do? It literally prepares you to come to the place where you say, I can't do this. I can't. And all of heaven applauds. Great. He can be taught. This is wonderful. He understands that he can't do it. Now if he'll just recognize who can. When I say I can't do it, I am saying that this flesh apart from Christ can do nothing. Does that sound familiar? John 15, you would find it there. Apart from Him, you can do what? Nothing. So, how do you come to the conclusion that you can do nothing? Well, that's why we love the law. We love the law because it points to the truth that Christ came to be life to us, that that life might fulfill the standard, meet the standard. And the standard is met in Christ. I can't. But he can And you know, the truth of the Christian life is figuring out you can't so you can live the way you were created to live as a new creation, completely dependent on him. Paul is beginning an argument by presenting Abraham in this verse as a great man of faith. And you know, the Jews, as I said, boasted in the lineage of Abraham, and, and they said, we are righteous in this lineage. The question is, that you might ask, is how did Abraham... Our blood kin, our forefather, our patriarch, how did he obtain justification? That's the question he wants them to ask. Well, they would say by works, but the answer is by faith. And the truth is that all that a child of God receives, he receives by faith. Well, you say, okay, well, does that mean that if I want to be loving, I say, by faith, I believe God to make me loving? Does that work? That's what we've been taught, isn't it? It's a lie. It's backwards thinking. No. What I say is, by faith, I believe that I am loving. That His life in me does love. And I'm in union with Him. So I can love Ernie with His love. I don't have to ask God to give me love. I appropriate His love. I live it out. Well, that works on every level, doesn't it? God, please protect. No! I don't have to ask Him for protection. He is my protection. I just need to, by faith, believe that He is my protection. Does that mean if I don't believe He's my protection, He won't be my protection? No, that's hogwash. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that you're not going to enjoy it. It means that you're not going to participate in it. Now, listen, don't misunderstand me. Father, You heal me, be my healing. Does that sound right? He is my healing. And I want to tell you something, He's healing you right now. You've got all kinds of things in your body that would literally take your life like that if He wasn't holding you together. You're being healed every day you draw air. And if your health diminishes, guess what? God's not caught by surprise. And you know what He wants from you? He doesn't want, Father, please heal me, please heal me, Father, please heal me, please heal me. You know what He wants? Father, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. I don't understand this sickness and of course I want to be well. But what I want most of all is Thy will. That's a hard thing to pray. It's real hard. In fact, Jesus Himself sweat great drops of blood coming to that place. His very body fought Him coming to that place. It's a hard thing to pray, isn't it? But He prayed it because it was truth of His heart. Thy will be done. Now, The answer is faith. That's how Abraham got here. And they upheld Abraham as the source of their righteousness. Jesus speaks to them. He challenges them on this. You see, in John chapter 8, verse 38 through 39, they believe Abraham was their father and that was their source of righteousness. So Jesus says to them, I tell the things which I have seen and learned at my father's side. And your actions also reflect what you have heard from your father. They retorted, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were truly Abraham's children, then you would do the works of Abraham. Follow his example. Do as Abraham did. Do you think Jesus was talking about all of the physical things that Abraham did? It's an interesting thing how God defines works. And it has absolutely nothing to do with your flesh. Isn't that a mind blower? That's not what Jesus was talking about. What he was talking about is the assertion, the determination, the will to believe and go forward and trust God. That's what he was speaking of. A yielding of the heart. You know, the rabbinical teachings of that time taught that Abraham was an example of a man who was justified by works. But here's the interesting thing. The lineage of flesh can never pass on righteousness. I can remember, you know, people saying, and you know, this is Texas, so you'll understand it. A guy in a coffee shop said, well, my old lady, she's my religion. She's in church every time the door's open. That doesn't confer righteousness. Actually, Nothing the flesh does confers righteousness. Now that may be a blow to some of you who are working real hard to get there, but that's just the truth. You're not going to please God any more than the day you walked up and said, Jesus be my life. You're not going to bring any more pleasure to His heart. Why is that? Because now the pleasure of God is seeing His Son work His life through you. It's not in your flesh. The lineage of flesh does not bring forth righteousness. Galatians 5.17, Paul makes the point, he says, For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. Godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding in conflict with each other. So that you are not free, but prevented from doing what you desire to do. Now, the point I'm making in this verse is that there are only two characters in this verse. Flesh and spirit. There's no middle of the road. There's flesh and there's spirit. There's no righteous flesh. We like to believe it. A choice must be made at both salvation, when you received Him, and it must be made daily in the way that you live. You either, now, I've heard it said, and this is kind of a twist, people say you can walk in the flesh. Well, let me tell you something. It's more appropriately worded walk after the flesh. And you can walk after the flesh as a Christian, which means you totally disregard what God has given you in life. And you can walk after the flesh, and you can do the things that the world esteems as righteous and religious. But it conveys no righteousness. And get this, did you hear what I just said? Even those things are at odds with the Spirit of God. There is literally an antagonism between the two. There's no middle ground there. And we want to believe that there is. We want to give a little here and give a little there, live this way one way and live this way another. And there is no middle ground. He says, the flesh is absolutely hostile to the spirit and the spirit is hostile to the flesh. There's no no detente there. So can righteousness be brought forth from the flesh? There's no happy medium. The other thing you need to know that this righteousness again is not about your image or even your works. It's about your birth. If you're walking after the flesh, here's the other thing you know because the two are hostile. And if you're a Christian, you have His life. You're new creation is is made for Him, it's not made for anything else only Him suits you and what ends up happening is that that is the truth of you but your flesh has so bent your soul has so bent itself to the world that it believes that somehow you've got to find a middle road somehow you've got to be able to get right with God and walk in that great Christian someday, that great revival where God will be happy with my flesh and my flesh will be happy with God how many Christians you know are trying to convert the flesh it doesn't happen because Paul makes it real clear this right here is the last remnant of Adam and sin is in the body and it will always be hostile to the spirit but it no longer has control So now what do we do? We submit the desires of our body to Him. To the truth of who we are. We literally sacrifice this body to His glory. Well, why do we have to sacrifice it? Because if we don't, then we walk around in continual turmoil. That's the truth of it. There's a hostility there. So when we have Christians that are trying to make peace with the flesh, that's what they're doing. They're seeking They're seeking to be religious. They're seeking to, to do things that are right. They've got all the great motives of, of feeding the poor and teaching the, the ignorant and doing all these other things that they want to do that are all in the name of Christ. But the reality of it is that they're walking forward in the flesh and they have not yet yielded that flesh unto Him. They're still trying to make it righteous well that's what the Jews were doing it isn't going to happen and Jesus is illustrating that it wouldn't happen there wasn't a more righteous behaving bunch than the bunch he was talking to Paul for example he said in regards to the flesh he was a number one but none of it was worth anything So Paul is telling them, the thing that you want is not in Abraham, it's in Christ, and it's appropriated by faith. You're not going to achieve righteousness in the flesh, you must be born righteous in the Spirit. Now the question is, how did Abraham keep the law when he lived hundreds of years before it was even written? Romans chapter 4 verse 2 says, For if Abraham was justified, established, and just by acquittal from guilt by good works that he did, then he has grounds for boasting, but not before God. Paul said the grounds for boasting was excluded. We talked about this last week. If the works of the flesh are sin, then we can never boast in the works of the flesh, can we? And if they are works of the Spirit, can we boast in them? No, they're the works of the Spirit, aren't they? Romans 3:27 and 28. Paul talks about it specifically in Romans 3:27. Then what becomes of our pride and our boasting? It is excluded, banished, ruled out entirely on what principle? On the principle of doing good deeds? No, but on the principle of faith. The source of all that is good comes from the one who is good. The one in whom we are to boast. We boast in the Lord as our source for all good things. And let me tell you, I said this last week, what is boasting in the Lord really about? It's about recognizing Him as the source. Boasting in the Lord includes praise. Boasting in the Lord includes worship. Boasting in the Lord includes thanksgiving. Boasting in the Lord is simply you saying, Abba, Father. That's boasting in the Lord. Boasting in the Lord is not I, but Christ. Boasting in the Lord is not my will, but Thy will be done. Boasting in the Lord is that I do nothing of myself, but I only do as the Father bids me. Boasting in the Lord is my determination to live this life by faith, to walk forward in the truth of the new creation, to accept life in the context that I am a child of God. I will not let life approach me and tell me what life is. I will literally push life in its face through Jesus Christ who is my Savior, my life, and my Lord. That's boasting in the Lord. It's not walking around and just saying, I am blessed. It's living a blessed life. It's more than just words. The Jew did not understand this. They did not understand that the righteousness of the flesh could not happen. They did not understand that it could not coexist. And because they would not hear and would not understand, they lost so much peace. They lost the Prince of Peace. They lost so much joy. They lost the source of joy. They lost so much. And that's what we see. And you know what? You see that in the lost. And the lost are determined in their sin. And they go forward. And, and until they, A, either yield to the wooing of the Spirit of God. Or B, they turn And never allow the Word of God to touch theirs again. You just know that God is working on them. And you grieve. You grieve. Because they need life. But I'll touch you even in a different place because you look around you and you see Christians who need life. Don't you? Christians who are reaching for all the same coping mechanisms that the world has. Christians who are just waiting for God to come get them because they're just living in hell right now. They don't know. They won't hear. They are determined to bring some righteousness to this flesh, some balance between worldly living and spiritual life. They're trying to make it work. And it doesn't work. And it's been proven. And it will be continued to prove to them. You know, that's the reality of it. That's the good thing. The hot stove always burns, doesn't it? So, you know, when people get out there and they're determined in their sin, you can know that sin doesn't suit them and they will figure that out at some point. But the truth of the matter is that when people reject the freedom, the liberty, if they reject the truth, Jesus said, you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If you reject the truth, what happens? Chains. Bondage. You embrace captivity. Romans chapter 4 verse 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham trusted in God and it was credited to his account as righteousness right living right standing with God. It's a quote from Genesis 15:6 which says, "And he Abram believed in, trusted in, relied on, remained steadfast to the Lord, and he counted it, he that being God, counted it to him as righteousness, right standing with God." And Paul's using scripture to prove his point. Does that verse in Genesis give any room for righteousness to be gained by works? It's not there. It says he believed in, trusted in. And I want you to understand something. I like the Amplified really stretches that out because faith is so much more than an intellectual assent. It's so much more than just saying, oh, I believe. We know so many people that will tell you they believe, but their lives really don't reflect anything. It means that Abraham had a heart commitment. That he was passionate about the way he lived. He was not passive. He was determined to live. And you know, that's the kind of faith that I was talking to fathers about. That's what turns a passive dad into a godly role model. A determination to trust God with your family and to show Jesus, to make Jesus the context of your home and your marriage and your family. James 2, verse 17. A verse that I hated for a long time growing up. seemed very condemning to me. And it is to some degree. So also faith, if it does not have works, deeds, and actions of obedience to back it up, by itself is destitute of power, inoperative, dead. Faith in God goes forward. And that was the truth of Abraham. Faith in God is active.
1: Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web Ministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you.